Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with season uh, nine, episode nine of our weekly Q and A videos. Uh, if you're on YouTube, links in the description to get this in an audio only format on a lot of the different podcasting platforms. And if you are on the podcast, then good for you. You're listening mm -hmm. on my uh, preferred medium of of content consumption uh, mm -hmm. for the kind of thing this is. So you're. Uh, you get my seal of approval. Two thumbs up from me. <laughs> anyway, I know it's not a visual medium, but you got your thumbs up. This I actually only had one thumb up because the other, my other hand is holding my device with our questions on it. So, you here, okay, two thumbs up from me. Two thumbs up. No bamboozle. Um, <laughs> so I don't think we have any housekeeping or anything today. I think we can get straight into the questions unless yeah. you've got anything. Mm, I don't no? think so. No. Uh, the first one comes from Camran107, and they say, To add to the point of putting Astro Harness on Batman Ninja Catwoman, not only does it help her defensively, since admittedly she's a bit of a glass cannon, it also helps with her basic attacks, and she can now interrupt the opponent's combo and just start power draining. That's why this gear is so good on Flashpoint Batman as well. The offensive potential of the Astro Harness on basic damage dealer is so underrated. So, I think it's a good question. I'm going to quibble a little bit with a couple of the points made. As, as sort of the build-up to the, to the comment, uh, that I don't think Catwoman's a glass cannon. I know we throw that term around a lot, but I think it really should be reserved for those who are really front-loaded. And mm -hmm. when I say front, I, I, I'm thinking of a dam their damage stat. Yeah. That is really way higher. And to me, the, the damage should be disproportional to their health. And I think, in my mind, there's really two characters that are like that. Mm -hmm. Lucha Bane. And Ares. Yeah. Where they are damage loaded. They do an outsized amount of damage compared to what they can take. They can't handle very much against them, but they deal a huge amount. Yeah. So let me give you a counter example. So let's say the other person who does a huge amount of special one damage with the right loadout is Batgirl. Yeah. Is she a glass cannon? No, because she's got more health than damage, even though... If you did the same kind of strategy against her that you do with her, she wouldn't last. Most people wouldn't last. Mm. I feel like Batman Ninja Catwoman is pretty uh, hardy. Yeah. And I think th it, it's definitely a good point because the potential for Astro Harness, even though it's a defensive gear, the invulnerability gives you an in to interrupt the combo, just like Cameron says. Yeah. And we've had that same discussion, I think, about Blackest Night Flash's ability to dodge a basic damage attack. So it's unlike Gears where the attack lands but doesn't do any damage. Flash's passive means that the dodging has the opponent open to a counterattack for a moment where they're just frozen. And yeah. you can get a, as much damage as you want. Like a, you can get a full combo or you can get a special completely unblocked. Mm-hmm. And I think this reflects the, at least for me it does, the change from old thinking to new thinking. Old thinking was you really load a character in the one way you want to use them, right? Yeah. Tanks, you make them like the, the best tank ever. Basic damage dealer, you make them the best damage dealer ever. And special uh, specialist, you really, you know, you just lean into it. Yeah, because it used to be if you tried to sort of make them an all-arounder they would just end up being right. a little mediocre 
Right. There wasn't a huge point to it. They Nobody was able to sort of do something spectacular, yeah. and fights tended to be slower, and, right. you know, you were slightly more resistant to losing, I think, technically, but you were also, you had a much harder time winning. Right. And I think that as far as basic damage dealer goes, so here's here's what I think about the meta. For the meta right now, the most important character is your special specialist. Yeah. Especially since we're in the middle of Tenty Totem season. It, it, that should be obvious. So when you've got basic damage dealer, there's really only two outsized basic damage dealers. That's Flashpoint, te- a teammate with Flashpoint Batman's passive on the mm-hmm. team, or Batman Ninja Catwoman. Because their passives let them do so much more basic damage, nobody else is as good as that. So in the newer kind of thinking with those specific cards, you don't need all three gear slots to mm-hmm. be ba- uh, boosting basic damage to be overwhelming because they already are because of their passive. Yeah. So I will say that for those two characters, yeah, Astro Harness is a really good offensive gear because giving up a slot, giving up that damage boost in order to make them a little bit hardier and to give them the chance to interrupt the opponent's special, yeah, totally worth it. Yeah. I don't think it's true for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, you know, you have, you're running an unbalanced team, you happen to have one person, that's your person who's going to be way bigger or stronger than the other teams mm. and uh, your own teammates. But then what you're doing is you're giving up on a special specialist. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it's, it's definitely a good point that it can't, the Astro Harness is uh, potentially an offensive, offensive gear. Yeah. But it's not enough to make up for the slot unless that offensive player already has a like an advantage yeah you need as much or more stats than you need you need to be able to hit hard enough that right uh you can balance it out a little bit it's never the best offensive gear it's a little bit it's a good way of balancing offensive yeah. and defensive if you already have most of the offensive already there yeah so here's the i guess the other thought then is would that change if you use your astral harness on your special specialist so that you you're the third gear slot right Tentative Tone one master's death card two mm-hmm. astro harness three and I'm going to say no at this point because I like to save the third slot so that you can tag them in immediately. And by getting the power gen boost, yeah. you make sure you get the second bar of power. Because if you don't have it, and you only hit a bar and almost second bar. Yeah. You're not going to get a, a special two right away. And your tag in can effectively be as good as invulnerability as far as interrupting um what they're doing because your master's death card has that same effect so you don't really i don't think you gain nearly as much with using astro harness as you would um something that boosts power gen and potentially boosts your special two yeah not a special also not special two special one and special two everything all of it's good um yeah, so th- I guess the it used. I guess if you think about it like this, I, in my mind, I, I like to do it graphically. If you think about it as, there's always a small chance of losing, no matter how good your team is. There's always a small chance of losing. Yeah. And if you, the astro harness decreases that small chance of losing, that's good. But it comes at cost of that one gear slot that decreases your chance of winning too, because mm-hmm. your damage output isn't as high. And I think in those two specific cases of a Flashpoint team that includes Flashpoint Batman or Batman Ninja Catwoman, yeah. that losing that third gear slot doesn't hurt you nearly as much mm-hmm. as the potential benefit of decreasing that small chance 
So it's all relative, right? Like if your yeah. if your chance of losing sure. is higher, then it's more more worthwhile. But if your chance of losing is really small, anyways, decreasing it a little bit isn't worth it unless you're not losing very much on your damage output. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, because that's the thing is that when we talk about winning and losing, it's it's always a kind of delicate math, right? Because like when we're thinking about a win, like a five minute fight is almost not a win. Oh, that's a loss. <laughs> it's it's you know mechanically yeah. it, they call it a win, right? But so there's like a sliding scale where I don't know what the shortest fight is, like eight seconds. Practically, I guess. Practically, it's higher than I mean, that, I've but. learned something about iOS. Apparently, iOS has very short loading screens. Yeah. Which is why I think the it's so much harder to do speed runs. Although I still think our our speed run of eight minutes, our official eight minutes and twenty seconds, and the unofficial eight seventeen that I've got footage for that I still haven't uploaded. Yeah, it's still the fastest, but I don't know that we can do any better unless we get onto an iOS device because that like everything sort of has to come fall, yeah, fall a perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so. Yeah, there's, there's like a sliding scale where, you know, the best wins are the shortest ones. And right. then as you sort of draw off, there's a point where you're technically winning, but we yeah. we almost don't even count it as a win, yeah. you know? Yeah. So here, I mean, it's an opportunity cost, right? Yeah. So if you take five minutes to win, you could potentially like, I guess, I'm thinking 30 seconds is really it, is the time it takes to win a fight. Yeah. So if you're really good, I mean, with including all loading screens of Android, which is a, a bit of a handicap, you can finish seven fights with a Flashpoint team yeah. in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you spend five minutes on a fight, you know, that's only one-sixth of the amount of uh, battle points, or yeah. even less, I think, technically. Because you don't get the bonus yet until you finish everything, and you might not finish everything if you're having that much yeah. trouble with a fight. On an individual fight. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess the advantage to it is that you... Uh, don't have to worry about energy recharges as much because <laughs> they're recharging in between <laughs> your fights. <laughs> um, the <laughs> so our next question comes from uh, Cheetabem Modelum, and they say this is so good. Uh, and this is talking about uh, how we were talking about Lobo. That's Inter Lobo team with the Red Sun Green Lantern yeah. as the the gear stripper and uh, Lobo's passive and whether or not it triggers uh, even if Superman. Uh, uh, Injustice 2 Superman's uh, passive is active. And he says, this is so good. Yeah, the first attack against Superman Injustice 2 counts because Lobo's passive indicator showed after Injustice 2 Soup's passive ate up the special. So this is a great part. I Honestly, like I've been... I've played a bunch with Lobo and I, I know it's there. Yeah. Sometimes I just... You know when you're looking for something and it's been in a room for so long... And you just don't notice it anymore, and then when you really need it, you can't see it because you become blind to it. Yeah, it's 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 what I, I hear called man eyes, and that usually applies to dirtiness mm-hmm. and mess and stuff. Where with my man eyes, I don't see stuff. So I mean, I'm not bad about cleaning stuff up. Mm-hmm. I just don't it's see it's it. almost <laughs> like that. That is just how your brain works in general, though. It's like when um, and th- I might be doing this to a couple people. It's like you can see uh, your nose right now in your field of view. I can, but you don't notice it normally. Right. Because you get adjusted to it. And so that sort of happens where your brain is better at detecting changes than it is that detecting yeah. individual pieces of data. Because we don't really have those individual pieces of data uh, all accessible to us. It would be so overwhelming to look at everything in your yeah. room, everything around you right now. 
So yeah. most stuff you just don't notice because it's not important to notice. And so the same thing happens with those passives is that you're, we've sort of narrowed down. If you asked us details about the outfits on the characters uh, that we play <laughs> regularly, right? I wouldn't be able to um, tell you, no way. I wouldn't be able to tell you. If I looked at a screenshot, right, um, you, you'd know where our eyes are going. Our eyes are going to what's important, the power, the health. Yeah. Um, maybe like the distance between the characters, if we're setting up a special, yeah. um, maybe the character portraits to see if they're on or off cooldown, yeah. you know, there, there's stuff that we're looking at, but there's a lot of stuff going on that we're not looking at. And when the, the passes, uh, trigger, uh, for the vast majority of people it doesn't matter. Yeah. And for the people where it does matter, where there's a chance it neither happens or it doesn't, uh, most of the time, uh, it's not going to change how you play based off of whether yeah. or not it triggers. Well, so it's not information that you actually so, need to internalize the same way. So this is our long roundabout way of saying thank you for pointing that out because I totally stopped noticing those. Yeah. And it's actually cool now knowing that it makes it, that it, it does trigger the passive. The problem actually is that it only shows once, no matter how many times his passive triggers. Mm. So it would be really cool to figure out if it doesn't do any damage. Yeah. Right? So there's maybe times in the fight where it whiffs for other reasons, whether it's Astro Harness's thing, to know whether it's still doing the same thing. Cause I mean, mm. it, it's, it's neat. It's, and I, I love that. Here's the thing. I love that after, hundreds maybe thousands of hours playing this game yeah i'm still learning stuff about it and it's not mm. just stuff that because i haven't happened to play it it's stuff that i actually like it to play yeah and i've been playing hours with lobo bounty hunter lobo. it is pretty cool so i appreciate so that's the long roundabout way of not only thanking you for pointing that out but also explaining why how something so obvious uh just escaped our notice yeah I, I like Bounty Hunter Lobo even more now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sweet. Uh, Smith101 says, do you guys think it's wrong to use the date trick to play Survivor for as long as you want? And this is going to be probably not a surprise to anybody who knows us. That answer is a resounding no. Right. I have no issue in right. using the date trick to play Survivor for as long as you want. I think... We've talked about this before, you know, we've talked about the difference between glitching and hacking. We've talked about how the fact that we don't even dislike hacking, we just don't like things that negatively impact other people's play experiences. Right. But I think the inarguable least possible offensive thing to do is, it, the, the, at this point, you know, changing the date and time is barely even a glitch, right? Yeah. And to, when all it's letting you do is allowing you to play for yeah. rewards yeah. Uh, and earn something yourself, right? They've decided that, you know, this amount of time playing Survivor is worth this amount of reward. Right. And so if you want to play twice as much Survivor and get twice as much reward right. and all you're doing is being a little cheeky to right. to slip around sort of the, the timer on it, I have no issue. Because here's the thing. You're not playing Breakthrough when that's happening. You're not playing multiplayer. So the, the interesting thing about that is there's, even with cheating, there's different levels of it, right? Because what you're doing is you're customizing your experience with the game. Yeah. So that instead of playing a more balanced game each week, if you've got that time put in, you can't play Survivor, you have to play something, you're forced to play something else. Yeah. Well, now you get just to play Survivor more. Yeah. And at some point, you really do need to play multiplayer. You do need to play Breakthrough. You need to play other modes. And it's your own detriment if you don't. But that's okay, too. Yeah. You're just you're just having, taking a little more control over the way that you're playing. Yeah. Which is, I think, a, a good thing. 
the the more difficult cheating is the kind of cheating that becomes less like gameplay. And some of the things, some of the glitches that we had before, yeah, I think were more like that. Like when you tried to get multiple like infin- or, or infinite credits or whatever, or infinite, right? Yeah, like those type of things. Like that's different. But like the challenge reset, all that stuff, type of stuff. There's, it's so hard to find an issue with that. I know some people are real purists. Yep. And, you know, it's okay. I'm not saying that we're better than somebody who's not, right? There, yeah. I don't think there's a morally superior stance. And I, I even think to some extent, like, we make our own choices where I don't like, and I would uh, actively encourage anybody to not make the experience worse for other players. Right. But I still don't think it's, like, our place to say, like, those people are, like, contemptible or whatever. I'm not condemning people even who do. I think it's not great, and I think, you know, but... I don't think we necessarily need to pass a lot of judgment on anything for what this is, which is a game that people can, you know, play or not play. Right. Right. It, even if it were like, even if it were more than just shifting what you're playing, I think there's a, what am I getting at? I don't even know what I'm saying. Where there's different levels of cheating that don't quite reach hacking. Yeah. Some are worse than others where you're doing stuff definitely that you're not supposed to. Yeah. And it does... Yeah, it, it, the problem, though, is that hacking is different than cheating. Cheating, everybody has access to it. Yeah, it's in a, a way little more democratized. It's based off so, of information. Right. So I think it's more important to make sure that everybody potentially has access to it to, to level the playing field. Yeah. Yeah. And when you've got a game that's been around for so long... It's even less of an issue only because you've got a large core of players who've got all the resources. And if it just speeds up the game to get to a part of the game, because it's it's both a collecting game and a fighting strategy game. Yeah. And if you enjoy the fighting strategy part of the game more, I don't have so much of an issue of you advancing to a level where you have the resources that a, an older player might have. Yeah. As long as you're not doing it in a way where you actually exceed what should be potentially possible in the game. Well, yeah. And, you know, like a friend could give you their account. They could sell you your account. There's a lot of ways to get access to stuff. You could pay real money for it. Yeah. Right? I think I think uh, playing more survivors is a situation in which nobody loses. Right. Right? Everybody gets what they want. Everybody's happy. And there, I don't think there's any real... Yeah. I think if the game were newer or was earlier on for different modes too, that would be different. Yeah. Because by getting there really fast, then you set yourself up at the top of the hill where you don't have a lot of competition. You draw more, let's say, for example, you draw more defensive fights Yeah. that you don't deserve. I don't see that happening so much when I think there's a lot of pe- players who've been around a long time. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. That's how we feel about it. No issues here. Uh, our next comment comes from Irish Shakespeare. And they say, Injustice 1 mobile app needs to have characters that can disable enemy tagging abilities, shatter all gear at the start of the fight or tag in, disable Flash's passives, and improvement gameplay to look similar to MCOC, which is Marvel's uh, Contest of Champions, yeah, right? Yeah. So, it's a, uh, aside from the specific passives, I think I'd, I'd suggest a few different modifications, but I think definitely we know that there are... I mean, this plays back into the idea that this game has introduced a lot of neat things when people want updates they're looking for new characters new gameplay new gears just new content Mm -hmm. and if this were possible this would play right into it and we know it's possible only because and they've considered this because some of the newest gears and some of the things that they never did 
were in their sister brother games from NetherRealm. Yeah. So WWE Immortals, before we had a Tantu Totem, I can't remember what the gear was, but there was a gear that did the same thing where it would return your power if you knock the other guy out. Yeah. And we waited for the longest time and they did it. And there was, there's a character in there where for the first eight seconds after you tag in, you disable the opponent's passive. Yeah. That would be amazing. Shattering all the gears, that's, that's too unbalancing. Even shattering one with Claw of Horse is enough to make it legendary gear. I think shattering all the gear would be way too much. Yeah. And especially when, you know, it's, if it were one ability out of a number, mm-hmm. it would be, it, it, it would just be way too embarrassing. Even somebody say like Earth 2 Solomon Grundy, he's got a couple of abilities, but his ability is only to shatter one gear. Yeah. I think Don just Superman's ability to shatter one gear for the, for the fu- uh, minute for a fight. I can't remember which one. Mm-hmm. So, but disabling passes for a few seconds, that would be spectacular. Yeah. Cause not only would it, it would shift the balance of the game, it would require you to earn it. You can't just tag in. You have to take, to take advantage of it. You have to be ready in eight seconds to do whatever you need to do right whatever you're normally stopped from doing right when that i mean that's That'd totally be really cool there would be uh there was one guy who when you tagged in uh would disable uh, he, no that's an injustice disable him but if you did it for a longer period of time then it would be useful i think a lot of it should be that you could take some of the passives and make them more balanced and make them more useful or this is what i've always wanted yeah. i want a piece of gear that corresponds to each character's passive so that you could use up a gear slot to get somebody else's passive. That would be fun. Can you imagine that? Like, who are the, what are the best passives right now? Um, it's, it's hard to say, too, because I'm thinking if mixing and matching them would mean something else entirely, too. Yeah. I mean, uh, Arkham Knight Catwoman is the one where the, the damage over time doesn't rinse. Mm-hmm. We'd stick that on Bounty Hunter Lobo. That would be so great. If we had um, Deathstroke, Arkham Origins Deathstroke, where mm. for each promotion you, or no, Injustice Superman would be even better because for each promotion you he he has boosted attack and yeah. health. Can you imagine, like, if there's any character who has a pass, one gear for each person. So not only would you have a bigger game, so this would play more into the collecting part where yeah. you could extend the life of the game because each piece of gear that you introduce. Yeah. I mean, how many characters are there now? 144. Lot, that could be two. Of gear. That would be two years worth of updates. It would keep everybody happy. It yeah. would be something meaningful to the game, and I think it would take very little um, coding to implement it. It's true. It would take a lot of visual design, though, and you need a lot of uh, a lot of names for gear. You still have to do. It still be a good chunk of work. I guess, but you could cheap out on it because you're you're doing the same kind of thing, right? So you could be, um, you know how it, you'd put the name of the character on it, yeah, and then like uh, you make it an idol or something like you know like a something where they're trapped in it that's representative of them, like a necklace or something you could put on, like and a all of a sudden, crystal. yeah, and then you could have their their passive ability. Seriously, that would be that would be seventy. All right, so one hundred forty four. That would be almost three years. You do one every week, and you would have almost three years of not running out of new up, basically new updates yeah. every week that would keep everybody happy. People would look, have something to really look forward to that they couldn't have. New players and old players would be alike. Pretty cool. And then you'd still have to get all the shards and stuff to yeah. fuse it and max it out and stuff. 
Man. Wouldn't be bad. They could make it an NFT. <laughs> oh God! Don't get me started. So yeah, I, the ocean is it? There's a um, an uh, what do you call it? A uh, cryptocurrency exchange. Yeah. Did you hear about this? Open Sea. Yeah, and they they call it. They were hacked. It wasn't. It was a phishing scam. So people received who had accounts in Open Sea received yeah. emails saying, "Hey, you got to do something and switch over." So they did. But what they did was they signed off their accounts. So yeah. they gave up a bunch of NFTs. The guy who hacked them sold a bunch of them at a greatly reduced price yeah. and then returned a bunch that he couldn't sell. And there's different levels of um, irony in it where mm-hmm. people are, are complaining that they had stuff stolen, but that was the whole point of cryptocurrency and blockchain is yeah. that there's... It's more secure. It's more secure, but it's also decentralized, so there's nobody enforcing it. So yeah. once you've lost it, really, that's that's one of the features, not a bug. Mm-hmm. And then they're complaining about their NFTs that were sold at much cheaper prices than they bought it for. And again, that's just exposing the, the what's the word I'm looking for? Like real value. Yeah, know. because a lot of a lot of the NFTs exchanged hands, and but without changing hands, where they were either the same person was buying them themselves to pump up yeah. the price of it, or they were people who had a the a, a similar interest. In maintaining the facade mm-hmm. of a high value, we're buying it from each other, so there's yeah. no money changing hands. Well, it's just securities, and that's the other thing about it. It's like the same with a lot of <laughs> art, where um, you know the art market has like a bunch of fraud that happens, right? Yeah. And so there are pieces that are uh, sold for big amounts of money, and they, that's part of the reason why they have to sell them, you know, occasionally and slowly <clears throat> and carefully manage the price. Yeah. Where if you put those out into the world, their value would be real fractional. And so part of yeah. the issue is, I mean, the the person just had to sell them off fast. So whatever the value of the NFT is, it's probably some middle ground between, I mean, the real actual, what the value should be of the NFTs, it should yeah. be zero or basically zero. Right. But, you know, practically what the value of them actually is, is some middle ground between the dirt cheap that that guy sold them for yeah. and the uh, price that people were saying they were worth. And I don't know, even though it was dirt cheap, like he sold it, apparently he got, they got millions of dollars. Okay. And, but I'll tell you what, if I had the money for an NFT... Damn, I would be commissioning Alex Ross or John Picasso. You'd want actually real you'd want piece of good art. art. You wouldn't yeah. want uh, randomly, like procedurally generated images. Yeah, I, I mean, think about it. Think of all the stuff that you could actually get, like real pieces of art, original comic book pages, yeah. or commissioned brand new pages. But isn't that fraction. just isn't that just commissioning art? Yeah. 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 Oh, it totally. Not would NFTs. Be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You could do that instead, and I would so much more value an original piece of work from an artist that I admired and respected mm-hmm. than some, uh, some c- code on a blockchain ledger that yeah. said, I have access that this, this thing at this particular website belongs to me. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I just, it, it's ridiculous to me. Yeah. You know what? Something actually really interesting. We'll talk about it for like a minute. This maybe will be how we we wrap up. I learned something recently about the blockchain, which was very surprising to me. And I don't know why it was, but because of the way that it's decentralized, one of the things that you can do is uh, called forking. Have you heard about this? Do you know what this is? All right. So the way you're talking about it, what I understand about, and we're, if we're talking about blockchain, we're talking about permissionless blockchain, not permissioned blockchain. So mm-hmm. the permissioned blockchain is the one where you have it's centralized, where you have yeah. one, the the, yeah. the authority deciding where yeah. it goes. Permissionless blockchain and permissionless, where 
as long as the there's a consensus, yeah, that this is where it's sort of the next mm-hmm. line in the ledger. Yeah. And I'm guessing that forking has to do with splitting it up so that there's different possibilities that that are that are possible. Like when people have ha- potentially hacked blockchain, yeah, is when they spend it twice, yeah, because they can rewrite the ledger when they have more than fifty percent of the uh, hash rate or the computing capacity yeah. responsible for mining that blockchain. Yeah. So um, a forking is this thing that you can do. Um, so for example, uh, Bitcoin, there was like a, a point where there was a hack where somebody stole a bunch of Bitcoin, I think using like the mining strategy that you did. And <laughs> then people, they essentially did a rollback, right? And then started working from before it. They, they worked to get, to revert it, right? Yeah. And there's a version of Bitcoin called Bitcoin Classic where they just said, well, that, that kind of goes against the principle of what it is. And so you can fork. <laughs> and if you just do your own, you know, slow afterwards, the the way that it's supposed to be proof of work, you go with whoever's done the most proof of work um, and move forward on that base. If you want to just do something new with the um, b- that specific blockchain on principle, you can just um, go back to any sort of individual moment in time and mm-hmm. make your own uh, fork from that and right. then write your own transactions and do whatever else. So that's something that people do apparently to make new currencies. And, you know, it. I, I'm. we're not a pro-crypto uh, <laughs> people, clearly. Yeah. But to me, there's something about that. Uh, and I'm sure that people who are into crypto would have their whatever arguments for why it's fine and it doesn't matter. But that feels just like, well, then it feels like it almost defeats the purpose even just that little bit more. Sure. Right? Where, you know, most people have agreed with this, but there's groups of people out there who are working on other versions of a coin or somebody can just make their own coin by just saying, okay, well, we've just taken this thing that these other people are doing. Yeah. And this is just ours now. We're giving it a different name. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're from yeah. this moment on, there's a new version where we've give, where we've written a new ledger that says that we get all the money yeah. Yeah. and it's exactly the same as this other thing. And we're using that framework. And there's just something about it that just makes me go like, this is so fake. It's so weird. Yeah. And, uh, again, I'm sure there's other perspectives. If somebody's really into crypto, they're like, oh, well, that's, you know, one of the benefits of the technology is that people can iterate or whatever. But it's it's so but, much less like actual money. Sure. For, because, you know, with real money, you can't just go, okay, well, I'm making I'm making the new United States. Yeah. And I have, I, I've just taken, yeah. I've made an exact copy of every single bill that's currently in circulation in the U.S. And in the bottom corner, I've written a little... Uh, you know, BDC Care owns this on it, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. now I have I have the US dollar 2.0. I think. All right, so here's the thing. I think the the issue and the in the crypto lingo, the government issued currency is called fiat. Yeah, well, right? that is just what it is. Well, but what well, the distinction matters because if if you take out the government part, yeah. if it's just currency that people agree is currency, yeah, I mean that's what cryptocurrency is right now, yeah. If you take out the government element, they're all fiat. Yeah. And the distinction is that it's government-backed because it's not resource-backed, right? Yeah. So the difficulty is if you... I was reading a really interesting article. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll post it in the description mm. about the, the difficulties that cryptocurrency is facing, specifically permissionless cryptocurrency, which is what most people mean when they talk about cryptocurrency. Yeah. And it's a shame because... Or permissionless blockchain, sorry. Um, which is a shame because they're actually different te- technologies and it makes it difficult to talk about it when people are using the wrong or using two terms that 
interchange, uh, one term interchangeably for two different kinds of technology. Yeah. And that the, one of the benefits where it's supposed to be decentralized, it, if you, if it gets big enough, it actually becomes centralized. The yeah. number of people, this, who own the biggest proportion of Bitcoin, for example, mm-hmm. is really small. It's in the hands of a small number of, I don't want to say people, but organizations, like structures, yeah. so that you end up with the same kind of thing because the more other kinds of cryptocurrency you have yeah. and the less popular they are, the e- first, it's easier to hack. So then you really, you need to be committed to the most popular blockchains, but then, uh, sorry, popular cryptocurrencies. But then as you get the really popular cur- cryptocurrencies, yeah. it gets it be- becomes controlled by a small number of people and then you defeat a big part of the advantage of what what was supposed to be the advantage of cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. So I, again, I've been doing a bunch of reading. It's interesting, and it's um, it's it's weird. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it boggles my mind that there have been so many big names, celebrities that have been endorsing it, and it, it feels like there's re- not not a real understanding of what the implications are. Yeah, like see, because I I have like was i was less opposed to the idea of cryptocurrency when i had first heard about it because mm-hmm. it seems it is an interesting idea and it's cool and it's an it's there's some elegance to the system mm-hmm. and it's you know the main issue is that the way it works is it's ridiculously resource intensive and it doesn't scale <laughs> yeah we've seen it be really really disruptive it doesn't work for you know exactly what it was supposed to but it, I, I don't think you know and people could argue from what I saw of when it was initially created, people were, you know, mucky around with it. It was a really cool thought experiment made real, right, right. um, for, you know, the type of finance, uh, interested technology interested, right. you know, maybe slightly like libertarian leaning, um, right. like nerds. Right. Essentially. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Right? Like, and as, to... as this cool yeah. nerdy thing that people used to do, um, yeah. to, you know, give somebody like 50 Bitcoin to like help you move and, you know, it was this, yeah. like the kind of like funny money um, right. where, but there was like a really cool elegant system. It's like when, you know, people like design their own like tabletop RPG or whatever. Right. Right. Where it's like, oh, you know, that's fun. You're having fun with it. That's, that's cool. And you're doing some cool ideas and it's nice to see somebody actually try to execute and put something into the world right. when they think it's a cool idea so that they can iterate on it and do it out. And then the second that people started actually looking at it and it got it picked up any sort of steam is when it started destroying our planet um and when it became you know this kind of useless speculative stock market cash grab i think it started from a place of real sort of yeah i don't know wholesomeness that i actually could have i i could get behind yeah right see the the argument i i see in broader strokes about what what it's useful for it's part of its built-in name cryptocurrency yeah as a currency, it sucks. Yeah. It's too volatile. So even if it were became established in mainstream, for practical purposes, it fluctuates too much to be useful. And we're seeing that in El Salvador. Yeah. Where you get paid in a certain amount and one day it could be worth something, another day it could be worth way less. I mean, right now we're sort of in a lull, right? It's dropped a bunch in the last little bit. Yeah. So as a currency, it's crap. So the the supporters have shifted to saying it's an asset. Mm-hmm. Well, then the problem with it being an asset is, well, how does the value go up? What's it based on when the value goes up? Is it? It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> sure, because you've just got to find somebody else who's going to be willing to pay more later. And yeah. that would make sense if 
it was, say, a, a, a representation that of ownership in a company where yeah. that company could potentially become more valuable, pay out a dividend based on their profits to their shareholders so that the, the share that you yeah. hold reflects some sort of value because you're getting some money back. Or it could be that you get to vote so you have some say in the direction of where that company goes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's uh, it's like a stock in itself, and the the thing that you're betting on is that it's going to become more popular. You're gonna bet that somebody else is gonna be able be willing to pay yeah. more for well, that. Yeah, well, you're 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 betting that people are gonna keep throwing their name behind it and that it's gonna keep becoming more popular. It's not ba- it's based off of it's essentially like a popularity contest, yeah. um, made into a currency, and there's nothing real behind it. And you know, NFTs were I think what some people's idea of like making it more real was. Right. And there's mm. all these ideas where, again, the edge of something cool, right? Like with NFTs, the idea of smart contracts and the idea of an artist being able to sort of let you invest yeah. in them directly. Yeah. Um, and then you have this like ongoing right. relationship with them and you oh. can sell and trade this ongoing relationship be... and that, you know, the artist can keep getting paid if it's sure. increasing in value. It... All that stuff is a cool idea. And provenance. So it could show provenance of real art like you said, connect it to the artist so that, you know, you see these prices for millions of dollars for paintings. Yeah. Instead of being just money laundering, part of it goes back to the person who created that yeah. content. Amazing. I totally like that idea. So, you know, a lot that's of that stuff good. And then, yeah, it's like, oh, well, if you like invest early in now, you know, you can get sort of this access to this person and have this like patronage relationship with them for a lot cheaper. But the problem is that like, you know, Patreon exists. Yeah. And there's a lot of other ways it's, it's a, you know, if it was another one of those businesses out there that was, you know, working with, uh, people who made stuff and it made it easier for people who made stuff to support themselves and to, to do other things, I would actually have no issue with that. And there's, yeah. there's something at the core of NFTs where I could theoretically see some people benefiting. And the problem is it just doesn't happen, right. you know? Right. Bitcoin was a cool idea, could have been cool and wholesome, you know, if not a lot of people discovered it and whatever, and I would still be like, oh yeah, that's cool, I'm glad that they're doing that, and it just it just doesn't shake out that way, and so there's all these yeah. things that feel like there's a, a seed of something there, and then their popularity absolutely ruins it, and then part of what I think makes them so awful is that there's all these people who are picking it up and running with it in a million different directions yeah. and trying to get people to invest and trying to grow this thing, and it just grows into this huge monster. It's like all the people who are talking about NFT games, yeah. and then it's uh there's so many people out there in the world whose whole sort of experience with understanding of and goals for this thing are all terrible you know whereas if you kept it small if you kept it you know simple i feel like there is is, is there are seeds there but is it the popularity that is a problem or is it popularity makes it more likely that somebody whose attention has been drawn to it is going to exploit it because to me it feels like it wasn't so much that our channel had a problem when it was popular. It's that when it was popular, yeah. we were just more likely to have trolls come around and do stupid things in the comments. I mean, with Bitcoin and stuff like that, like popularity is a problem inherently, you know? Yeah. The people who have eyes on it, the worse it is for the world. And it could, yeah. you know, it's actually a lot better for everybody the less popular it is. Ex- except that the less popular it is, the the cheaper it becomes... Yeah. To be able to have more than 50% of, own 51% of the hash rate. Yeah. And be able to manipulate the ledger because you've got so much of the, I guess, is it proof of work? Proof of work, yeah. Yeah, so you've got too much of the proof of work. So it's got to be popular enough that you can't manipulate it easily. It's not. No, but I think if it's not popular enough, here's the thing if it's not very popular, then, um, 
what it was is the way that I was thinking about it in the early days where it's, you know, people who were nerdy about this type of thing, who were just doing something they found enjoyable, then there's, you're not losing anything. If somebody uh, says, uh, ha ha, I stole all your Bitcoin. Uh, you know, it's like kids on the playground. You say, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. Right. You know, I'm not playing with you anymore. Right. Um, and then it's not an issue because nobody's lost any money. One person sort of ruined the fun for everybody. Right. But there's not the same stakes. So yeah. if somebody back then, you know, is spending thousands of dollars or whatever. Right. Um, to to buy up the computers for, for a thing that nobody cares about. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the other people go, you're no fun. And yeah. then that's it. You know, and then maybe, you know, other people do a fork and they say, I don't care, you know, and you have this like back and forth, whatever, all that stuff. Right. But, you know, you're still thinking about it in terms of this like unit of really sort of value that somebody would be motivated in taking down. I'm saying even at that point, it's It's become too too popular. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you said fork. I think I'm thinking fork and meatballs. Yeah. I'm thinking good place. Yeah. But so that's. That's how I feel about it. And I don't even know if that's true. I don't know. You know, maybe if it was yeah. small, yeah, I obviously only have the knowledge that I do and I know that I hate what it is now. Yeah. Um, but there's something in me that feels like I, I could have, you know, at least appreciated what it was in a very different right. form and if it, things didn't go the way that they did. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Anyways. So that's our, this is now a Bitcoin podcast. Uh, <laughs> tune in next week to Coin Bros. Uh, oh, where, we, where we talk about all the the hottest NFTs. Uh, Mike Tyson <laughs> did a pigeon one. Now, oh god, it's also g- cards in a online game. I'm not entirely clear. I I get see, the problem is I get so many ads now. Do you get a lot of ads for crypto stuff when if, now that you've been reading articles about like why it sucks? If I do, I haven't noticed. I get so many crypto ads. I was like watching a video about why crypto is awful. And like every single ad in that video was an ad for crypto. I just tuned it out. Honestly, like, I don't know. It's yeah. I only get two types of ads right now. I get, um, AMC ads for the American medical school of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, from when I took the MCAT, I think they've decided it's been enough months that, uh, they can they can snatch me up and I get like a lot of crypto ads and I don't get like a lot of other ads. Yeah. I guess it's like right. you know it's like so chef's plate and would stuff. Would it be ironic if people were watching this video and saw some crypto ads on it? It would be very ironic. I don't think they they're getting into the metadata. This one I don't think they're they know that this video is about crypto. So hopefully, uh, I hope for our audience's sake that we're not yeah. inducing any uh, <laughs> crypto related ads for people yeah. uh, because they're they're truly. Uh, just not, not interesting and not good. Yeah. So anyways, there we go. I, yeah, we went a little long this week talking about our, our Bitcoins, but, um, to finish up, I'd like to give a shout out to Eliza, normal person, Katen. She's literally so normal and ordinary compared to all my other friends. Nothing about her is weird or strange at all. Uh, and this shout out was brought to you by sarcasm. Uh, Eliza wrote this one, so I'm not being rude. I'm not punching down. I'm, I'm punching. I don't... You're not even punching. I'm not even punching. You're, you're the little puppet with her hand inside it that pushes those little triggers that pushes the punching thing out. Yeah, but then she's also got a little puppet of herself and she's having me punch that. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. All right. Um, and we'd also <laughs> like to give a huge thank you to all the lovely folks who support us on Patreon. That would be Bombo Ben, Consul Peasant, and Ed Woon at the top tier last word. Cinemac and Mohammed Shady at your message here tier. Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, Michael DeVries, Brandon C., Irvin Ruiz, and Eddie Dew at the credited level. And Chris Wolf, Scarlett Danny, Awesome Gamer 2 for 1, Pavu RS, Gavin Malott, and Isfra E at the gratitude level. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.